right, guys, uh, I, I, I apologize in advance. I'm going to try not to cough on you via this mic, okay? So if you see me take little pauses, uh, my throat is doing that real fun thing that a lot of your throats are doing, uh, only you don't have a microphone attached to your face. So uh, I'm going to try not to cough on you via this microphone to the best of my ability. There we go, okay. Uh, wet the whistle. Here we go, Colossians 3, uh, starting in verse 1. And the word of God says, So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all of the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. That's what we're talking about. Uh, You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave free. But Christ is all and in all. Therefore... As God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And uh, that is our focus this morning there. Verse 12, uh, our word today is we're going to talk about this thing called humility. And you guys may not have recognized this, but, but this word actually came up at the very beginning of this series. So we started this series in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, as we did that, I kind of told you guys, Ephesians 1 through 3, Paul's talking about what Jesus has done for us, right? I mean, first three chapters of Ephesians, here's what Christ has done for you. And, and he says, you were dead, but he has made you alive. You were far away, but he has brought you near. You were foreigners and, and aliens, but now he's made you citizens of the kingdom of God. And so, and then starting in chapter 4, he starts throwing out these therefore statements. One like we just read uh, here. He, he starts saying, therefore, therefore, therefore. And what he's saying is because of what Christ has done, therefore you now have to do something. And so the very first one is, is in, in verse 1 of uh, Ephesians 4. He says, therefore, uh, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. The second one is in verse 17, where he says, therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. And then verse 25, where we camped out, he says, therefore put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. And we just camped out then in, in verse 25, 26, 27, 28, and we spent a lot of time there. Uh, and then if you get to chapter 5, he, he, he has another therefore statement. What I want to do is I want to focus on the very first therefore. Okay, because Paul spends all that time building up. This is what Christ has done for you. Therefore, you've got to do something. So, so if we go back to, to verse one of Ephesians four, I'm going to add verse two to it. And here's, here's how that reads. He says, therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you live a life worthy of calling you've received ready with what? With all humility. And the first thing necessary, according to Paul, that we would be able to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. That calling is the fact that we are now free in Christ. That we are now children of God. That we, we are now citizens of the kingdom. He says, so now you gotta live a life worthy. And in here's step one. You gotta put on this thing called humility. Humility. Now I know it's not number one in the book of Colossians. I know he's already talked about 
uh, compassion and kindness. Those things are important. But I'm going to tell you, I think this one's crucial. And so, uh, again, so we're in Colossians 3.12, but I just want to show you how this whole thing fits together, this putting on the new self. And so, uh, as God's chosen one, uh, put on compassion, kindness, and humility. And humility is indeed what we're going to talk about today. So um, we're going to start by talking about what it is. And and here's the deal. When we talk about a a, a word like humility, and uh, this is one of those words, we kind of all think we know what it means. And so since we all kind of think we know what it means because we're so humble, um, since we think we know what it means, I like to start by surprising you and talking about what it doesn't mean. All right. So there, here's three things that the word humility doesn't mean. Now you're going to see glimpses of, of, of the true definition in this, but, but these things in and of themselves cannot stand alone as a defin for, definition for humility. And that's kind of where we, we get lost. And so here's three things that humility is not. I think in your sermon notes it says humility is not merely these three things, which is kind of the, kind of the point. But here's three things humility is not. Number one, humility is not merely, it's not just thinking less of yourself. Right? It's not just thinking less of yourself. We, we tend to think that. We think that humility is just thinking, well, I'm a bad person. I'm just not very good. I'm just, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at that. And we just, we just kind of put ourselves down. We kind of think, well, that's what humility is. It's just putting myself down. Just need to do that, which, which will kind of flow into the second one. Now listen, there is some truth and we have to get ourselves off our high horse, right? That, that is a, a, an aspect of humility, but in no way does that encompass the full biblical definition of what humility is. Okay? So you can't stop there. Secondly, you can't, you can't stop here, right? Humility is not just self-deprecation. Right? Self-deprecation is that ability to critically look at yourself and even publicly talk about your flaws and your failures, right? Self-deprecation. We also call this putting ourselves down, right? And putting ourselves down. And, and, and again, that's not entirely really what humility is about. Okay? Uh, it can be an important aspect of, of maybe getting a biblical grasp, but that is not in and of itself what, what uh, the biblical thought of, of humility is. In fact, here's what I'm going to say to you. If you're somebody that is always putting yourself down, that, what that actually shows is you're thinking about yourself a whole lot. Right? If all you do is put yourself down, you're actually putting a lot of thought in about you. And, and which will come into play in a second when we talk about what humility really is. And so, just kind of be mindful of that. If you're one of those people that you're constantly putting yourself down, well, that might be kind of a red flag, okay? So third thing that humility is not, ready? Uh, humility is not thinking that you are unworthy of love or grace. Thinking that you're unworthy of love or grace. Uh, humility definitely has a component where we realize uh, how, how I'm going to use the word dirty, okay? Because we're in church and we talk about God and God's holy and perfect and clean. So I'm going to use the word dirty here. So humility does have this component where we realize kind of our uncleanliness before a holy God. It does have that. But all of these traits have a healthy aspect and an unhealthy aspect. So the healthy aspect is realizing that I'm a sinner in need of grace. The unhealthy aspect is believing that I am such a sinner that there is no way that God could ever love me. That's not humility. That's not human. In fact, I would suggest to you it's very prideful to declare that you are so great a sinner that there's no way that God would want to save you. Because the Bible declares over and over and over again that, that Jesus died, that God sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, and it says in that verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he did that. 
And so it, for me to declare, man, I am so great a sinner, there's no way God could ever love me. I'm actually flying in the face of the gospel. It's a very kind of prideful statement to say I'm way too dirty for God. And, and so again, that's not a true sense of humility. So what is humility then? Here's three things. Number one, I would say that humility is thinking of yourself less. Okay? It's not, not just thinking less of yourself. That's really not the, the biblical portrait. The biblical portrait is really thinking of yourself less. Okay? So we're going to camp out in Philippians. In a little while, we'll go back to Philippians chapter 2 and read about the humility of Christ. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up two verses from Philippians 2 on the screen. I want to walk through these with you real quick. And so here they are. The Apostle Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. And he says, Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So kind of the first uh, part of that kind of seems like he's saying, you, you need to think less of yourself. He says, he says like, right, uh, in humility, consider others as more important. So it kind of seems like he's saying, well, think less of yourself. But then he, he explains what he means by saying that with the next verse. And so if you stop at the first part, you don't get the full picture. Because Paul's saying, here's how you apply that in your life. And that's what the next sentence means. So he says, everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. See, what Paul is saying is, is not that you have to think less of yourself. He's saying, you've got to think about yourself yourself less. Like, that's the point. You have to create room in your life when you are not focused on me, right? That I'm not going to focus on me today. I'm going to stop thinking about me. And in that space that I create, I'm going to think about other people. I'm going to think about other people. This is where humility begins, right? It's, it's where I decide, like, cause listen, humility's not thinking, uh, just, just like less of me. It's, it's, not thinking about me at all. That's a source of humility. That's, that's kind of the beginning point. So guys, we have to get to a place in life that, that, that we, we literally decide, I'm not going to think about me anymore. I'm not going to think about how I'm feeling. I'm not going to think about what I'm going through. I'm not going to think. Like, think about your prayer life. How's that, how's that go, right? I, know for, I don't know if it's you, but I, I'm, like, I'm like model prayer, Jesus. Give me today my daily bread. <laughs> Forgive me, right? I don't like that other. And then others, like I, I don't focus on the others enough. And so, so we, we, we struggle with this. So, so we're just going to start here. Humility is thinking uh, of yourself less. A uh, second thing humility is, humility is a deep understanding and appreciation for the gospel. It's not just an understanding, but it's also a, a deep appreciation, almost a sense of awe of, of the gospel. And uh, the word humility in Greek, it literally means a deep sense of one's own moral littleness. A deep sense of one's own moral littleness. And, and, and if I was looking through the Bible to try to find a place that I feel like somebody really grasps that well. Uh, I would go to the book of Isaiah. And in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, Isaiah is going to the temple uh, to pray in the year that King Isaiah dies. And he sees the Lord. And when he sees the Lord, man, he sees the Lord in all of his holiness, and he immediately realizes he ain't. Right? He's like, God is holy, and I ain't. And, and so this is what he cries. He said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the king, uh, uh, the Lord of armies. And so Isaiah sees a holy God. He immediately sees he's not uh, holy. He's like, man, I am, I am dirt, uh, dirt, earth, and, and worms, Lord. Uh, like, I, I'm, I'm unholy, I'm unworthy. So like, that's, that's half of humility. But the other half of humility is realizing what God has done for someone like you. 
Right? So yes, you are a sinner. Yes, you are dirty. Yes, you are unclean. Right? But God, that's a, this is a, the biggest phrase in the Bible, but God, who is rich in mercy, has sent his son Christ. And so God, uh, though we are dirty, sends Jesus to live the life that we couldn't, to die the death that we deserve. He conquers said death, is risen from the grave, uh, ascends into heaven, sends the Spirit to live in us, to bring us to new life. Right? And God does all this, the Bible says, because he loves us. And so, so listen, there's this tension. Man, I am dirty and unclean, but God loves me. God loves me. And you got to have both, man. See, if, if, if all you have is, man, I'm just so dirty, there's no way that God could ever love me, then you don't, you're, not, you're not receiving the gospel. So we preach the gospel to ourselves to remind us that, that like, hey, man, I don't have this, right? And by the way, believers, how important is it to remind yourself that at any moment you could mess up, amen? Right? Right? Anybody uh, go through a little phase in their life? I got a microphone. We can do testimonies this morning. Anybody ever go through a phase in life where they kind of let down their guard? They thought they had something and the enemy kicked their butt? Anybody do that recently? You don't have to raise your hands. Um, raise both feet, whatever, yeah. Uh, right, and why? why? Why is that? Because we stopped preaching the gospel to ourselves. At, at some point, we kind of started believing, you know what, man, I'm pretty good, I'm doing okay, and the moment that I'm like, I'm okay, bam! The enemy's like, ha-ha, sucker! I'm like, dang it! And then I feel, then I feel like God can't love me. I feel like I'm not good enough. I get in this, in this cycle. Uh, in the Old Testament, we call that like a cycle of apostasy. And, and, and it's just not good. Right? And, and so, so listen, I have to do both. I have to preach the gospel to myself. Man, I am, I'm dirty. I'm unclean. I am capable of the worst things. Right? Come on. Thought life. Can we just be honest? Cause we're in church and Jesus is watching. Um, how many of you would confess you have some terrible thoughts? Amen? Anybody have some bad thoughts? Okay, there's 12 of us that have bad thoughts. All of the rest of you are in detention. You're staying late today. Okay? Everybody else can leave. All you that didn't raise your hands, like, nope, my thoughts are great. Liars. Liars. We have some terrible... I have some horrible thoughts from time to time. I'm like, Lord, what? Oh, my God. Like, oh, get that out of me, God. Get that out of me. And right, so we, we are capable of horrible things. So that's half the gospel. The other half is that God knows that. And in spite of that, he sent his son. He sent his son so that we could become his sons. That's the other half. So I need both. I need to know that I'm capable of the worst things. And I need to know that in spite of that, God loves me. I got to be firm in that. You see it? Right? That's humility. That's humility. It's that understanding of, of both. And it leads to a deep appreciation for God, uh, worship, awe, all those kind of things. Third thing humility is, humility, um, I borrowed this from John Piper. He has this great little two and a half minute clip on, on YouTube. Humility is the opposite of a sense of entitlement. Humility is the opposite of a sense of entitlement. And so Piper uh, asked this question. He says, do you walk through life mainly feeling you owe me? Right? Is that how you walk through life? You walk through life mainly kind of feeling you, you owe me, right? You owe me a certain look when I walk past you on the sidewalk. You owe me a space on the freeway when I'm trying to merge. You owe me. 
right? You owe me exactly what I order very quickly. You owe me that iced tea filled up before it hits the bottom. You owe me. And when you don't pay up, I'm mad, right? I am mad because you are, you owe me. I am entitled to good service. I'm entitled to this space on the freeway. I'm entitled to respect. And if you don't, man, if you don't pay up, I am mad at you. Church is quiet. That's entitlement. That is a belief that I am owed, right? What Piper's saying, what I would fully agree with is whatever humility is, whatever it is, it's got to be the opposite of that. It's got to be the, the opposite of that. Humility is, is not claiming, uh, like we think of it as, like I, I claim uh, my rights, right? Now I, well, I've got certain rights. I mean, come on, we're Americans for crying out loud. The Declaration of Independence declares we have rights. I declare these truths to be self-evident. I have rights. If somebody treads on my rights, right, I get angry. And here's the deal. This is what I'm going to say to you. Listen, humility doesn't claim rights. Rather, it's a willingness to lay down rights. It's a deep understanding of the fact that God has forgiven you of the greatest of possible debts. Therefore, you can hold no debt over any other person. Amen? That's, 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 that's why Jesus told the parable. You guys remember that parable? The unmerciful servant tells the parable of the unmerciful servant. He's like, hey, there's a servant who owed his master millions of bucks. And, and came before him and he, he pleaded with the master, please don't throw my family in jail. Don't sell them into slavery. Please, I'll do whatever, Lord. I'll, I'll work for the rest of my life. Please don't destroy my family. And, and, the, and the master like, has mercy on him. He's like, no, I totally forgive you. All, all, all forgiven. Millions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? You owed a lottery of debt. And God is like, forgiven. And the parable goes on. And then that forgiven man, that had been forgiven a lottery's worth of debt, finds somebody that owes him a few bucks. And he strangles him and he throws him in jail. And he has his family broken up and sold into slavery till he can pay him back. And who are we in that parable? We're both. You knew that, right? We are both the man that's been completely forgiven of a lottery's worth of debt. And all too often, we are the ones that then refuse to forgive others. And God says it should not be so. Right? Humility is this great understanding that I'm not entitled to anything because God has forgiven me of everything. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's what humility is. That's the majority of the sermon. All right? So let me tell you why you need to put it on. Okay? 
That's what it is. Why, why, why you need to get dressed in it? And I'm just going to give you a few. Uh, by the way, as I was working through this, I seriously, Thursday, uh, it wasn't Thursday because I didn't get anything written Thursday. I came in Friday to write. And so, uh, seriously on Friday, I thought, you know what? We should, we should have Sunday night service. We don't do that anymore. We have small groups everywhere. We should cancel all small groups, show up because this needs a part two, but we're just going to do it in one. But anyway, so stick with me. Don't complain that you're getting hungry because you could have been coming back tonight, okay? So, uh, here, just saying. It's grace, man. It's grace. Uh, so here's why we need to put on this thing called humility. Number one, uh, we have to put on humility because God opposes the proud. We need to put on, we need to clothe ourselves in this new thing called humility because God flat out opposes the proud. Okay? So uh, Peter puts it this way in First Peter 5.5. 5. He says, in the same way you uh, who are younger, uh, be subjected to the elders. All of you, all of you, young and old, uh, Jew and Greek, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Ready? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That word resist uh, literally means to oppose. It means to, reign, uh, to range in battle against. God battles against the proud folk in church. These are his people. And Peter, Peter, Peter ain't talking to lost people. He's right in the church. He's talking about, uh, about elders and young folks in the church. And he's like, hey, church folk, ready? It is possible for you to get stuck in life. Anybody ever feel that way? Anybody ever feel that no matter what you're trying to do, I'm trying this, I'm trying that, and nothing's working. Nothing's working. I, I don't know why everything I do, nothing's working. I just feel stuck in this place. I can't get past it. Maybe one possibility is that, that literally you're fighting against the hand of God. And so this is uh, like, listen, God is all powerful, so he could smoke us in a heartbeat, right? Um, and so, so this is, I don't know what you get. I, 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 I think a lot when I read the Bible. And so when I think about God opposing me, I think of uh, anybody have like a big brother or maybe your dad did this to you when you were really mad. You remember the whole forehead extended arm thing? And you're just there, got swinging away and you can't even get close. It just ticks you off. God, some of you have that same look in your face as that little ticked off toddler. Because you are swinging away, trying to do something yourself, full of pride, and God's opposing you. God's preventing success. And he's doing it on purpose because the truth is that what you need is not more of whatever you think you need. What you need more of is Him. So I, I just want to submit to you that maybe you're here this morning, you're just so frustrated and worn out and tired, and you've tried it all. Oh, gosh, I've got to do this, I've got to make more money, I've got to do this. And you're just like worn out. And maybe part of you being worn out is because you're trying to be provider instead of allowing God to be. Right? God's resisting you. He's opposing you. So that's the first reason I think we need to... <laughs> I don't know about you, um, I don't mind a good fight from time to time. I do not want that good fight to be against God. Amen? Right? Not me. Okay. Second reason we need to get dressed in humility uh, is because God wants to give us more grace. Because God wants to give us more grace. So my initial point, I changed it. I had written because I need more grace, and we do, Right? (laughs) But, but again, uh, I, I think probably better put is because God actually wants to give us more grace. And so uh, back in Peter, 1 Peter 5, 5, in the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God resists the proud. And, and get this next one. But he gives grace to the humble. 
Now, some people read this passage, and again, they think, they think that, well, well, Peter must be talking about salvation. But Peter's not talking about salvation because he's writing this to the saved people of the church. You guys follow me? So, to the saved people of the church. Now, now, listen. Grace, when we hear the word grace, we should rightly think about salvation. Amen? Right? Ephesians 2 8. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of yourself, gift of God, so that no one can boast. Okay? So, we, you think grace, you think salvation. But here's what Peter would say. He's like, hey, church folk... Those of you that are saved by grace, guess what? There is even more grace available than the cross. What? Doesn't that sound crazy? Anybody else? Anybody else? Right? I mean, because if all God did was send Jesus to die on the cross, that is more than enough, amen? That is more than we deserve. And yet, here is the grace of God. This is crazy. I mean, I mean, we don't deserve Jesus dying in our place. That's crazy. That's nuts. We don't deserve eternal life. Like, we are guilty. But God sends his son. Jesus dies in our place. And then get this. After we receive that life in Christ, we become children of God. We're heirs of God. We've got eternal life in Christ. After, after all that, he says, hey, I want to bless you even more. I've got more grace for you. I don't know what you call it. I, I use the word blessing. <laughs> and here's the picture we get as Jesus explains the father's heart. He says like, hey, my dad is a good father. And who of you, if he asks for a fish, his dad's going to give him a stone, right? He says, my dad wants to give you really good gifts. And this is the picture of God. God not only wants to save us because we can't save ourselves, but then after he saves us, this is nuts. He has more grace for us, more blessing for us. But here's the deal. Some of that blessing will only come when we humble ourselves in his sight. Got it? Okay. That's the second reason I think we should get dressed. Okay. But it goes on beyond just blessing here up in this place. All right. Here's reason number three. Uh, Before we get there, how many of you are worried about retirement? Come on, raise your hand. A little worried about retirement. Semi, only two of you are worried about retirement. You are lying. Lying. We got an election coming up in a few months. You guys are thinking, well, should I get Medicare for all? What do I need to do? I don't know. What, what, what about 401k for all? Is that coming? Right? Come on. Anybody? I, I haven't heard it mentioned yet, but I'm in. I'm in. 401k for all. Let's do it. Listen. This is really cool. Third reason we need to get dressed in humility is because God sees and rewards humility. Because God sees and rewards humility. So we've been looking at uh, 1 Peter uh, 5, 5. When you read the very next verse, this is, this is really cool. Check out verse 6. Uh, he, says, he says, therefore, right? So, so you've got to do this humility thing. But verse 6, he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Right? So that he may exalt you at, at the proper time. That word exalt means to lift on high. It means to raise or to dignify and to honor. So it might honor you at the right time. Uh, here's my favorite one though. This is, this is just defining the word in Greek. It literally means to raise to the very summit of opulence and prosperity. He wants to raise you to the summit of opulence and prosperity. And lest you think I'm, I'm preaching some kind of prosperity gospel, I don't think that's here in this world. Right? That's, that's not my belief. That could be your belief, whatever. That's fine. We probably disagree on that. Uh, I believe this is Jesus saying, hey, my father has treasure for you in heaven. Right? And, and so uh, James and Peter and John, while Jesus is on earth, they got a glimpse of, of the summit. 
right? They got to go up on a mountain, and there Jesus is transfigured before them. And they saw Jesus in all of his glory. And Peter's like, dude, I got to build some monuments up in this place. This is awesome. This is awesome. That should be our response, by the way, even if it's like, like misspoken, right? Uh, like that should be us. And, and they, they, they got to go to, to the summit. And, and God, listen, he promises in his word. I know this freaks some people out because we think heaven, like, man, it's just in or out. It's the same for everybody. I can't explain to you how rewards in heaven work. I just know they're there. Okay? I can't explain to you the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and how all that interacts. I, I just know they're there. I can't explain to you predestination and man's uh, uh, ability to choose, but they're both there. Right? And so I'm, I'm just telling you, the Bible says that there will be great reward in heaven. Right? For all those things that are built as we walk in the Spirit of God, not in our flesh, not in the old self, but in the new self. There's going to be great reward. That's pretty cool. Come on, how many, like, we're good with heaven, amen? Like, heaven will be great. Can you imagine reward in heaven, though? You know what I'm saying? How do you reward your children right now? Anybody throughout, you that have kids, anybody ever reward your children with some Dairy Queen every once in a while? Like, nothing like a little blizzard, right? Woo! My children will do some crazy stuff for ice cream. Crazy. Be like, I, listen, I don't need you just to clean up the house. You got to lick the baseboard. Yep. <sighs> I mean, whatever you want done, if I, if Dairy Queen is on the tape, I just wonder, man, what, what kind of reward does our father have for us that we can't even fathom? You know what I'm saying? So good. And so, so that's the third reason. Here's the last reason I, I, I think we need to get dressed in, in humility. And, uh, it, it's because Jesus is our example. We, we need to be dressed in humility because Jesus is our example. And I, I told you we would do this. And so if you'll turn back in your Bible a couple pages to the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and the word of God uh, says this, starting in verse 1. It says, if then, this is Paul writing this too. He says, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then this is where it gets real. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be exploited or something to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus didn't consider equality something to be grasped. That's got to be our aim as well, right? Listen, we cannot feel a right to be treated better than Jesus. Can I say that again? Just let that set. Because we think we have rights. We need to be treated a certain way. We have certain rights. We cannot expect 
to be treated better than Jesus. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you, right? I mean, I mean, think about this with me, right? He, he served, they, they hated, he wept, they shouted, he loved, they crucified. Like, that's the call. That's the call. And, and so we are supposed to be like Christ. What did, what did Jesus do? He didn't consider equality something to be grasped. And yet we sit here, like, wanting to be treated better than that. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. He was mocked and, and, and beaten and nailed to a tree. And we're like, you didn't get my order right. How dare you? Follow me. It's a big deal. You didn't sing that song I like. You didn't answer that email the way I wanted. Right? So what do we do when we kind of figure out this humility thing and we figure out why it's so important to put it on? Like how, how do we do it? And so I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. This probably is not the best application you've ever had because as a dude, uh, that just like you guys, like, I, like as a person, I struggle with this. Bat- you need to pray for your pastor, right? And so this was not easy to kind of work through. I, th- I think the very first thing we do, uh, and this is our, kind of our homework this week, I want to challenge you. The very first thing we do is, is daily we preach the gospel to ourselves and we receive it. Like daily. I need to remind myself every single day that, you know what, I, I, I am a sinner. I'm the greatest of sinners. I, I, could, I could blow it, it tomorrow. I could blow it in 10 seconds. Like, I, I, like I'm capable, but I'm also loved. And chosen, and adopted, and seated, right? Like I, I'm an heir, and and so so I I've, I've got to do both of those things. I think my humility starts there. Is understanding that I I am, as Paul would say, like the worst of sinners, but I'm a child of God. So I have to preach it to myself daily, but I also have to receive it, guys. If you only do half of that, you walk around feeling like you are too dirty for God, and there's no way that He could use you, and you miss out on all kinds of divine opportunities. You end up being the people in the church that show up on Sunday but don't think they can do anything Monday through Saturday for the kingdom of God. Churches don't work that way. God didn't build his church for one person to stand up on a stage and do all of the work. God built his church so that the person that stands or sits or teaches, that that person would equip all the other people to go out and do the work of God. You have enough, you know enough, you are enough. That's what Jesus would say to the 12 or the 72, you, name, you don't need any more. You, you don't need any extra. <laughs> Just go and be a witness. Go and tell them what you know every day. And I will surely be with you no matter where you go to the very ends of the earth all the days of your life. Right? So we just, just, just do this. I mean, preach the gospel. So I, Lord, I need you. I'm not going to be self-confident. I know I am capable of totally blowing it today. But I'm also chosen. I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to start there. Okay, second thing. Right? Um, we begin our day. So I, I hope you begin your day in, in Bible reading and prayer, those kind of things. So as part of that, here's what I'm asking. Is you spend a part of that time thinking about and praying for others. Okay? I, I don't know about you. So, so uh, uh, like Franklin, what do, you, what do you call it? You call it my Jesus time, right? 
So he'll like frankly be like, hey, I had FCA today. I'm going to be a little late. I need to go home and have, have my Jesus time, right? And so that's how I think most of us think of it. It's my, it's my Jesus time. Mine. Don't you touch my Jesus time. My kids come down. Why are you awake? You're not supposed to be up yet. Okay. It's my time. Okay. I think we, we have to take part of that time. And, 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 and listen, we have to not think less of ourselves, but we have to start thinking about ourselves less. So we have to cut out part of our time every day to just think about other people. And maybe it looks something like this. God, who do I need to pray for? Like, you may be in a place that you don't even know who else to pray for. You just pray for you. You just, ah, I got this going on. I got that going on. God, I need you to show up here. I got this, I that. And it's all you. And you got to show up and go, God, I, I do you know all this. We've been talking about it for ages. Uh, who, can I, who else can I pray for? Give me somebody. Put somebody in my heart. Put them in my mind right now. Somebody that I can pray for this weekend. We've got to create space for other people. Right? For other people. Thinking of ourselves less. If you work other people into your time with the Lord, uh, it's a huge step towards getting this thing right. Okay? Three. I hate this. I just tell you as a husband that this is the worst thing I've ever written for church. Ah, uh, gosh. What dummy put that up there? Um, talk less. Listen and truly take interest in others' lives. Somebody came up after the first service and said, you know what? One of the things that the Holy Spirit reminded me of is I got one mouth and two ears. God was probably trying to tell me something. Need to use these twice as much, at least. I was like, yeah, but you also have a nose. And so I'm not, anyway, we're going down that road. I mean, you, maybe you should talk a lot less than just half as less. I'm just saying, but whatever. Talk less, listen, and truly take interest in others' lives. C.S. Lewis talks about humility uh, in his book, Mere Christianity, in the chapter on pride, which he calls the greatest of sins. And at the end of that chapter, he says, you know, the funny thing is that you probably wouldn't notice a truly humble man if he came upon you. Because he's, he, he's not humble in the way that we think of humility. We think of humility as somebody that, that's kind of that, that, that self-deprecating, oh, I'm the worst, I'm not good. And he's like, in fact, the person that came to you, they wouldn't talk about themselves at all. What you would probably notice is not somebody that walks around with their head held down, that feels sorry for themselves, but you, what you would think is, man, that's probably, that, that, that guy's really upbeat, and he cares about me a lot. Because in the conversation, that person would just be interested in you. Because that's what humility is. When's the last time you just sat and just listened to somebody else, that you cared more about what they had to say than your response or trying to fix their problem. Men, am I speaking to you? Amen. It's a struggle. It's a struggle, but part of that path to humility is learning that I'm making room for other people and I need to genuinely care about what's going on in their lives you know what? I, I've come to realize this. I know this is crazy. The two great commandments we're called to live out. Like it's in part of what we do here. Love God, love people, do something, right? So that, that second one, loving people, is really hard to do if you don't know anything about them. Follow me? We've got to cut out some of us and make some space for learning about others. 
so that we can love them well and live out the second greatest commandment God has given us. Okay? Last point. Recognize everything is a gift from God and give him thanks. Okay? Huge part of understanding uh, my place and God's place is, uh, I call it getting to a point that we, we start to live open-handed. Um, we have a tendency to be control freaks. Any other control freaks in the room? Anybody? Okay. Uh, husbands, I know none of you struggle with this, but uh, any husbands ever get honeydews from their wives? Amen. Uh, any any uh, husbands ever, your wives give you the honeydews? Uh, look, uh, it's so, they came from Pinterest. Amen? Okay. Um, any, any of those Pinterest projects come with a list of how it should be done. Okay? How many of you like that list? None. Because if you want something done and you need me to do it, hand it off to me and let me do it. Right? But none of us are that way. And so, man, if you get frustrated with your wife that she gives you a project and then she tries to tell you how to do it, and you're like, Argh! guess what? You're that way too. You are. And the proof is in our vocabulary. My day was hard. My kids are driving me nuts. My spouse is killing me. My debt is crushing me. My fears are consuming me. My hurt won't go away. You guys follow me? And if that's how you speak, I love you. I've said this before. If that's how you're talking, you're living life like this. You're hanging on for dear God. Please don't let go. It is exhausting. Right? Amen? Pick any muscle. See that? I need some water. I need some pickle juice or something. Uh, flex any muscle for a long period of time. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I had like a two-year period where I had this muscle in my neck that was just constantly like this. And I was not happy at all. And maybe a little cranky towards you. I apologize in Jesus' name. Um, and um, it's just exhausting. Guys, it is exhausting going through life with your fists clenched, thinking that you control everything and that you're responsible for everything. And it is probably the most prideful thing you can do. And you know what the answer is? It's accepting the invitation of Jesus to come. It's kneeling at his feet. It's just choosing to let go. He says, my burden is light. My burden is light. And if you're here today and you're not experiencing any of that lightness of Jesus, might I submit, maybe it's because of pride and it's time to let go. Okay, would you guys pray with me this morning? Uh, as you bow your heads, I'm just going to ask you to take those uh, two hands that the Lord uh, gave you. I'm just going to ask you to kind of place them right there in your lap and, and go ahead and clench those suckers up. Nice two little fists right there in your lap. And this represents all the areas that you think you have to be in control of. 
I'm worried about my retirement, my job, my marriage, my kids, my church, every area that you are clinging on. And whatever areas the Lord would show you that you are taking credit for his business, all those heavy areas where you're Fists are clenched and they're just holding on desperately. This morning I'm going to ask, just in a spirit of prayer, that you would just begin to confess those things to him. And as you do, that you would just open up those clenched fists. Just slowly, when, it, when, when it's ready. It's Lord, I give you my marriage. Maybe you open up that right hand. Lord, I give you my mortgage. My money, my children, my future, my heart. Says the Lord leads you. And when you've opened them both up, here's what we pray. Ready? God, help me live this way daily. Because I know if I live close-fisted, there's no way I can receive your grace and your blessings. So help me come to you daily. Help me see my need for you. And Lord, daily, let me experience your abundance and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.